0: So small celebrations for the week. <laughs> Just take a look around. This is our celebration for the week. And I even put a note in here because I knew I was going to forget it because I didn't do it last time when we, started, uh, when we were in the gym. I'm doing it this time. I'm taking a selfie. A crowdie. Let's see. I don't know if I, know if I can get you all. I'm going to go over here. How's it going to work? Y'all think I'm joking, but I'm serious. Oh, yeah, let's see. Well, I'm going to have to do two shots, so I'll get that side first, and then we'll go over here, we'll turn, and get the kids section. Yeah, I wasn't passing it up this time. In case you couldn't tell, we're excited. We're excited to be in here. But with all the excitement, I'm just as excited to preach. Y'all are getting out late today, just so you know. If you hadn't figured that out, we got another video toward the end. We're singing two more songs. We're getting out late. So if you made lunch reservations, you better call them and tell them you're going to be 10 to 15 minutes late. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 51. We're actually going to look at a bigger section than that, but we're starting off with uh, that, that's our, our focal passage. I didn't know what I was going to, I've been thinking, obviously, for 15 months what I was going to preach this this morning, this day, what, whenever this day came, and I had some ideas, I think, probably six, eight months ago, and then as we got into, as as the the day for this became the Christmas season and the Christmas series, I thought, well, let's just wait and see where we are and Wait and see where we are in our Connect Group reading, and honestly, I could have preached the Connect Group, the, the, the Sunday School lesson, the Connect Group lesson this morning, those passages, and it would have been a great message for this day. Um, but I think the message for today is equally as important for us. Uh, I hope this all works right. This is new software that I had to put a, put in the sermon differently, and so... I'm going to keep looking over my shoulder to make sure that uh, it says up there what I was expecting it to. And that's no reflection on the operator. Uh, That's a reflection on the the one who made it. The unattainable peace. We want peace. We want peace in our life. We want peace in our time. Uh, a famous politician said, but thought we had it. We've talked about this now. This has been a continuing theme, obviously. The series is Peace on Earth, Com- Comfort in Troubled Times. We, we want peace. We want things to go well. We don't want problems. We don't want strife or persecution. We want peace. And the truth is, peace is unattainable. At least it should seem that way. A fellow by the name of Zeno, a Greek philosopher uh, from mid-400s B.C., came up with a paradox. Paradox is uh, not two physicians. Paradox. two. Um, thank you. Jamie's not, I mean, Cindy's not on the drums. Uh, I I don't know if I've told y'all before. I made a joke one time in church, and the the last church, the praise team was already up here. They were either waiting to go down or they were up there for the invitation, and I made some dad joke like that, and my son, who played the drums, went. ba doom It was that one. Uh... So a paradox is two things that, or one thing, a, a statement that doesn't seem to be true. Uh, an example of that would be you're out in the middle of the ocean, stranded on a lifeboat, and the phrase, water, water everywhere, and not a drop to drink. That, how can that be? Well, because the water's not good. It's a paradox. Okay? Zeno came up with a paradox of the tortoise and Achilles, his, his purpose was to be absurd, really, but to prove a mathematical point is what it was. I know y'all are already groaning. Michael's trying to get into math. We know how this works, and it doesn't come out well when Michael tries to talk about math. His paradox was, in a race, the quickest runner can never overtake the slowest, since the pursuer must, reach, must first reach the point where the pursued started so that the slower must always hold the lead. Now, he used an Achilles and a tortoise. Achilles was a really fast guy. Uh, a tortoise is a really slow animal. If you give the tortoise a head start uh, in, in the race and he's up here and Achilles is back there, Zeno claimed that Achilles can never catch the tortoise. doesn't matter where the finish line is. He would also claim that the tortoise could never reach the finish line either. Because, he said, you first have to run halfway. And now you've got your halfway to that finish line. But you have to run halfway again. And now you're halfway in that distance. But then you have to run halfway again. And then you have to run halfway again. And you keep running halfway, and you never get to the end. Now, we know that doesn't make physical sense, right? We, we know that if I say I'm going to run to the back doors... Y'all are all laughing in your head at the idea of me running anyway. But if I, you know when I get to the doors. It's not the conclusion that's the problem. Mathematicians have been working on this paradox for 2,500 years. Trying to disprove it mathematically. Not disprove it in reality. But the math. The philosophy behind it. And they think they figured it out. Calculus, computers, they've, they've helped, but the basic, uh, the, the basic argument is almost irrefutable. Zeno would go on to say that because of this, uh, motion is actually impossible. You never move. He had another paradox that said when you shoot an arrow, the arrow is not actually moving because at any given point, It's still. It just happens to be still at the next point as it moves, so it's not really moving. Again, it's a math thing, and that makes my head hurt anyway, and then talking about this. What I want you to hear, though, is that there's this impossibility inherent in this paradox, at least as far as Zeno was concerned. Our passage today, our scripture today, produces, it would appear, a similar paradox. It would seem that Jesus is telling us that peace is impossible, that we can never know peace. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12, if you haven't already. And we're going to start in verse 49. Now, Jesus, in this discourse that started in chapter 12, verse 1, is talking about persecution and being ready, and he's talking about end times type of stuff. And he said, it's going to be bad. And then he says, not only is it going to be bad out there for you, it's going to be bad in your your closest relationships. That's going to be bad. Jesus said in verse 49, I came to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already set ablaze. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how it consumes me until it is finished. Do you think that I came here to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Do you think that I came here to bring peace? Jesus asks. If he had left that just as a rhetorical question... Everybody listening, including us today, would have said, uh, yeah. We've got scripture to back it up. The Bible says so. The Bible tells us Jesus came to bring peace. We've just got a handful of scriptures here going all the way back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse, verse 6, calls the coming Messiah the Prince of Peace. And then we move on a little bit up into uh, Isaiah 52 and Isaiah says that uh, the Messiah comes to proclaim peace. How beautiful in the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Last week we talked about the announcement of the angels when they said, peace on earth. John is going to—I mean, rather, Jesus is going to say twice, according to John, in John fourteen twenty-seven, he says, "Peace I leave with you," and then a little bit later, in the same uh, teaching time, he says, "You may have peace." Acts ten thirty-six tells us that we will have peace through Jesus. So, what in the world is this? paradox that says we can't have peace. Not only can we not have peace, Jesus is saying I didn't come to bring peace. And we want to say um, Jesus, your Bible says you did. I got all these verses about peace. And some would say that's all Jesus came to bring. We, we have a tendency to ignore those verses that are hard or that tell us things that eh, we'd rather not grapple with because we might not like the outcome. Well, the truth is, Jesus is clear that while he brought peace, peace wasn't the ultimate goal. What was Jesus bringing? First of all, Jesus brought judgment. Jesus brings judgment. Judgment. Anytime Jesus shows up, there's judgment. I feel judged anytime I stand next to someone who's extremely handsome, extremely fit, and extremely muscular. That's judgment on me because I'm not extremely any of those things. I mean, I might not be the ugliest, but I'm certainly not the fittest, uh, and, and, and I'm not muscular. So I feel judged standing to this specimen of a person. Well, when Jesus shows up, the Bible says he had no form that we would, he wasn't the best looking, the most muscular, anything like that. It wasn't somebody that we would just look at and go, wow, that's got to be the Messiah. That's what they did to Saul. Saul looked like a king, but he just didn't act like one, right? Way back in the Old Testament. Everybody, He was handsome, taller than everybody. He was good looking, he, but he wasn't a king. Jesus doesn't look like a king, and yet he is. When we stand next to Jesus, we're judged. We're judged merely by his presence. It is a judgment on us because he's perfect, we're not. And Jesus knew the kind of judgment that was coming by his presence on earth. He knew people would be judged. He knew he would be judged. He also knew what his task was. I came not to bring uh, peace, he says, but back in the beginning, uh, verse 49, I came to bring fire on the earth. Well, there's a lot of metaphor here about the the, the earth being consumed, everything being... Uh, Burned up and taken away, and then remade in the end. But God's presence on earth in the flesh is a fire that was a blaze, and it either attracts people or it for the to the because of the warmth, or it burns them up. And he's saying that this fire is a result of him being an option. Now, I, you, you have to either choose me, or you have to choose not me. And if you choose not me, that is judgment. Fire is the result of, of that. And Jesus knew, uh, I think I changed the, um, go on to the next slide, Jaden. Yeah, there, there's how I wanted to say it. Fire is the opposite choice from Jesus. Literally, like you choose hellfire, instead of jesus but you choose to be burned up also by his purity but he's not just talking about that sort of fire he he goes on and says i have a baptism to undergo he's not talking about his physical baptism that's already happened he says it is the baptism of the cross he knows it is coming he, he knows this drink that he has to drink is coming, and it, it consumes him. This, this goal, this purpose in his life consumes him. But he knew that path would be difficult. He knew it would be hard to move forward in the task. Not just difficult because of the, the obstacles that would come his way the people that would want to kill him too early, the people who would want to make him king. Those were all obstacles to his purpose, but because of the very human nature he carried that didn't allow him to sin, but did make him pray in the garden, if there's any way for this cup to pass, let it do so. Jesus brings judgment, though, as we see, And as we hear his message, and as we live his message, when we experience our own persecution, Jesus knew his path was difficult. He knew that it would be a difficult path for his followers. I have a baptism to undergo. It consumes me, and I didn't come to bring peace. And he's telling his disciples this, his followers, the ones that he's going to tell and has already told to go out and do some things. Now he's going to tell them again. And when he goes uh, to the cross and after the cross, now it's your job to go out and tell people. And if we are representing the one, uh, or, or, or the teaching what the one who taught us, taught us, then we are teaching an uncomfortable message. Jesus brings an unattainable, or reminds us of, an unattainable peace. There's no peace in judgment. The the fire of the last days will consume those who haven't followed us. But Jesus not only brings uh, judgment, not only brings fire, not only brings, uh, because of him, we experience this persecution. Jesus brings division, Jesus brings division because his whole purpose is to separate the sheep from the goats. That is what he is supposed to do. That's what he says he will do. On the last day, goats go one way, sheep go the other. Goats told department from me, I never knew you. We, 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 we see that in Matthew. But we also see it in his, uh, in his teachings. We see two roads. One, the way is narrow. One, the, the gate is wide and easy to get into, and a lot of people are going to go that way, but his way is a narrow gate and difficult. Two roads, two gates. Jesus divides. By his very presence, by his very actions, by his believers' faith and trust in him, Jesus divides. As a matter of fact, Matthew and Luke say similar things. And uh, use this passage similarly, except that Matthew says instead of I have come to bring division, or but rather division, Matthew says, but rather a sword. Not just division, but enmity, uh, uh, an implement of war, battles. Jesus, I don't want battles. I got enough battles, got enough problems. And what he says is, I know. Because following Jesus is not a guarantee of a peaceful existence. If you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean everything now is hunky-dory. Does anybody have a testimony that will prove that true? Um, We've seen some issues in the last 15 months around here. Does that mean we weren't following Jesus correctly? Maybe some of us. Maybe all of us at some point in time, is God using this to grow us, to unify us, to teach us, and all those things? Yes. And is there some judgment on us? Maybe. I'm not going to make that statement. But what I will say is that if we follow Jesus, we will experience problems. But you know how many unsaved people experienced a hurricane 15 months ago? A whole bunch. Because that's the world we live in. But it's not just natural disasters. It's if we represent Jesus to a world that doesn't want Jesus, we're inviting trouble. As a matter of fact, I've said before and I'll say a whole bunch of times. If you living like Jesus doesn't cause strife, then chances are you're not really living like Jesus. If your faith is not creating issues in a lost world, then you might not be living out your faith. Or if you are, you're certainly not living out your faith. If you are uh, uh, living out your faith, you're not doing it in a lost world. They're not seeing you. They're not seeing the difference. And there's there's no strife. Because Jesus promised... In this world, you will have trouble. Now, that doesn't mean you get to be a jerk and blame it on Jesus. Well, uh, those people are persecuting me because I'm a Christian. No, they're just mad at you because you're a jerk. That's different. That, it doesn't, you don't get to blame that part on your faith. Being a jerk is not a spiritual gift. There is no perfect life Guarantee No money-back guarantee if you're not completely peaceful in your life. That's not the way it works. It's not the promise. We're not a name-it-and-claim-it faith. I'm going to declare peace over my life and then nothing bad will happen. You can try it. You're going to fail. And yet, Jesus, though he brings judgment, though he brings division, he still has the audacity to guarantee peace. Jesus guarantees peace. We see it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul said, And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Paul's talking about something different here. Paul didn't say, And the peace of God, which keeps natural disasters from happening in your area, will guard your hearts. No, he didn't say, and the peace of God, which keeps pandemics and viruses from coming into your community. He didn't say that. He didn't say the peace of God, which keeps other people from hating you because of your faith and persecuting you because of your faith. He says the, the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Where is the peace? Where is the, the center, the, the locus of the peace that Paul is talking about? He's not talking about in our homes, in our communities, in our uh, nation, in our world. He's talking about in our hearts. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. That means, in a hurricane, I can have peace. Peace that means in a pandemic I can have peace. That means in any situation in life I can have peace. The peace that Jesus brings is peace with God. Jesus brings peace and it's peace with God. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. That's the kind of peace I want. That's the kind of peace we need. I can live a perfectly peaceful existence, never have any problems, never have any struggles, never have any issues with anybody anywhere my entire life, however long I live, and yet if I die in enmity with God at war with God not at peace with God I have gained nothing in my life big whoop that I didn't have bad things happen to me I spend eternity separated from my creator Paul says since we have been declared righteous by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus that's the peace we need Peace throughout the earth, before Jesus comes back, is unattainable. Peace in my life, on a day-to-day-to-day basis, is unattainable. If I'm living for Jesus, I will be persecuted. If I'm living for Jesus, I will be at odds with the rest of the world. Peace with the world is unattainable. We think we go halfway, we, we're going to get to the end, and we only go halfway. But I still see the finish line, but I can only go halfway. But I still see the finish line, but I can only go halfway. But I still see peace, it's out there, I can get, but I only go halfway. But I still see the, its reach, I can only go halfway. I can never get there. But Zeno was wrong. His paradox is wrong. It may work in math. It may work in philosophy. He may stump the greatest minds, the greatest thinkers for 2,500 years. But the peace that we need, the peace that Jesus brings, is attainable. Peace with God we can have a peaceful life not so much we we've been asked i say we uh, because i think all of us at some point in time have been asked how can you how can you still hold on after 15 months how how are you holding on how do you have all your hair how have you not pulled it all out? How have you not thrown in the towel? Y'all, I, I, I've told you before, and there are more and more articles being written on this by the week about the number of pastors that are quitting right now. And they're quitting uh, not to go to another church, they're getting out of the ministry. The, the 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 politics of the last four or five years, the the pandemic, and then the decisions that had to be made, and then the politics of the pandemic. They're just they're just running people out. They're 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 just they're giving up. And I'm I'm not I'm not really trying to toot my own horn here. Uh, that's not what I'm after, but. They didn't have a hurricane, a lot of them. I mean, yeah, that, was, that was us, that was our friends over in New Orleans this year. They didn't have 15 months of a rebuild that was supposed to last six. I feel like we have been on one of those, um, oh, the, the, the extreme marathons. Did you know they do these things? They run, they run they run a really long way and and then they keep running and they do it in dumb places like Death Valley and across the Rocky Mountain. And it's like extreme marathons like a hundred miles or something like that. Ridiculous. I feel like we've been on one of those extreme marathons for 14 and a half months. And we've gotten about 90 miles in to it. And I feel like this last week was probably the the, the last five miles of those 90. But suddenly we were told we had to sprint those five miles. So we've been running for 85 miles and now now run as fast as you can, as hard as you can for the next five. And that's what this past week has felt like. This past week has been the longest month Since the hurricane. And I have felt that maybe Zeno's paradox was true. (laughs) We had a finish line for all of this, and we thought we'd get halfway, and turns out we still had to go halfway. And then we went the halfway, and turns out we had to go halfway again. And the the unfortunate part of it was the finish line kept moving. So we never felt like we were getting halfway. And yet there's peace. Paul was right in Philippians 4-7. The peace of God which surpasses every thought Y'all, um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you, uh, what, what it's been like, and I'm, I know I'm speaking for Tom and Amy, uh, the, the sound crew that's been trying to learn this this week and uh, last few weeks, and, and of course, I mean, there, there are hundreds of people that have been working on this property over the last fifteen months, and Danny, our project manager, he thought the ending was closer than it was, and it's just. The only reason we're still here is the peace of God, which surpassed every thought, every understanding. There have been more days than I can count where for no reason that I could see anyway, nothing particularly difficult happened, where if I didn't cry, I sure wanted to. And it was in those moments that I knew that I had attained peace. Not peace with the world, not peace with hurricanes, not peace with subcontractors that don't show up when they're supposed to. But peace with God that surpassed every thought. So that is my promise to you this morning is that if you will accept Jesus Christ as your savior you will have peace that surpasses every thought peace beyond understanding peace no matter the situation but it requires a response on your part Romans 6:23 breaks it down best for us in one passage Romans 6:23 breaks down into three parts the wages of sin is death our payment for our sinfulness we are sinners We are at war with God. We are against Him. We are separated from Him. And the result of living this life in that war is that we will be separated for eternity in death. Death is, among other things, eternal separation from God. But God did not want to leave it that way. We celebrate the coming of the Savior this season. The coming of peace. The gift of God is eternal life. Well, how do we get eternal life with God when we are still sinners? Because our faith in Jesus Christ brings peace between us and God, right? Since we have been declared righteous by faith, if we believe, if we have faith, we have peace with God. And how does that happen? The third part of verse 26, uh, Romans 6.23 says, In Christ Jesus our Lord. We can have peace, attainable peace, when all the world around us is chaos, if we will but accept Jesus Christ and place our faith in Him. I pray today you have that peace. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that though the world seems to Has peace that is unattainable and and strives for it daily. We know that they only get halfway and they still have to go another halfway. And the goal will never be met. The goal will never be reached. Peace is unattainable. Peace in this life, peace in the world is unattainable. But because Jesus came to the earth, we do have peace on earth. Peace in the heart of every believer. Peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. And He will give us the peace that passes understanding. The peace that when the tears start to flow for apparently no reason, they end with but God. God has given us peace. We thank you for that peace. And we pray that when the times look unpeaceful, we as believers will know that we have peace. And I pray for the lost this morning, those who are listening to this message and they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they would know the peace that passes understanding by beginning that relationship today admitting they're a sinner, sinner, repenting of their sins, believing on Jesus, placing their faith in Him, and choosing to follow Him, accept that free gift of salvation. It is that simple. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, our invitation time is going to be a a little different, and I want to make sure I'm getting this right, uh, even though I planned it. I still forget things. We're going to have a video play. The, the praise team will not be singing at this moment. Is this right? I'm, yes. yes, okay, thank you. I finally got it called up on my phone. We're going to have another time of consecration. We did it with the Lord's Supper. We're going to take about five minutes and do it this morning. We're going to play a song that we played in our service on September 20th. In here, the last time, called Clear the Stage. We played it again a week or so later when we moved into the gym. I guess it was the next week that we moved into the gym. And we're going to play it this morning. And we've got uh, uh, Joel Bruce made a nice uh, lyric video for us so we can follow along. And by the way, I just want to commend John Bridges made that video at the beginning uh, that that we watched. This is a time of consecration. We want this building to be so much more than just a bunker for believers on Sunday morning. We are here to be equipped to go out. But more than that, we want this space to be a place that God uses as He sees fit as many times a week as we can possibly handle to reach people, whatever that means. Our first opportunity will be tonight. Our Christmas VBS has been a, a rousing success. We actually had to close registration because we had so many kids sign up, and we just didn't have enough workers to, to handle that many kids. 67, I think, was how many we had sign up. I know 55 came Friday night. How many came Saturday? About the same number-ish? Okay. They're going to do a presentation tonight. They've been learning music and scripture to read. They're going to decorate this tree over here, if I remember what happens correctly. That'll be tonight at 5 o'clock. We had 20-something children that had no connection, 32 children that had no prior connection to our church at all come to this event. Here's an opportunity for us to reach out to people who had never been to our church before. God's already using this place. Tuesday night, we will, have, we will host the Sulphur High School Choir for their, I think they call it seasonal concert, but their Christmas concert. Their Christmas concert. If you remember two years ago, we hosted it and we had over 400 people in this room. We have 450 chairs. We're going to have to put them all out. Uh, we've got to make some adjustments, but we, we'll, we'll be able to handle that. Another opportunity to say to the community, we want to be a blessing to you. Two weeks from now, our Christmas Eve service will be on Christmas Eve, you guessed it, at 4.30, like we've done the last few years, a little earlier, so that folks can get on to their, home, their families if they go to family on Christmas Eve. Three opportunities in the next two weeks Oh, uh, well, that's not particularly in here, but yes. But Thursday night, also, uh, our FLC is having cookies and cocoa. And they're doing that in the, uh, the gym, the activity center. So that's four actual activities where we will be inviting people to come and, and be a part. And we're asking you, church members, to come and serve those times. Be a presence. Be, be, be visible to our community. God is already using this place, and we're not even done yet. Y'all see, there's still a lot of work to do. This next five minutes or so, we are going to consecrate this building, the parts that aren't complete yet, the parts that are complete, and pray that God will use us, will use this place. We'll strip away things that don't matter. I think that some of that happened already. That If it it is an idol to us, that he will take that away, and this will be an opportunity, a a tool. I keep calling it that. A place for us to come to worship, yes, but a tool to use to reach our community and to equip us to go around the world. So we're going to play this song. The stairs are padded if you want to... Well, they're not padded, they're carpeted. If you want to kneel up here... If you want to kneel at your seat, if you just want to watch the video and uh, read the lyrics, worship that way, that's up to you. But that's our invitation this morning. Now, I also want to encourage you, if you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've heard that message today and you want to respond, that Tom will be in uh, uh, the back. Tom Bruce is over here sitting right here. Uh, We have some deacons scattered around that they would uh, love to talk to you. If you want to talk to somebody, I will be available if you'd like to talk to me about how you can be a Christian, how you can join our church, how you can do any number of things that God might be leading you to do. But we want to come together together. And give this beautiful space to God and say, use it as you will. So, Jaden, go ahead and play that video, please.